0: Pastor's Heart and Dominic Steele, and thanks for joining us. Today we're talking JK Rowling, the transgender debate and the Christian response. Rob Smith is with me. Rob, a man of many talents. Uh, He's a theology lecturer at Sydney's Sydney Missionary and Bible College. Uh, He serves with the Ministry Training and Development Department of the Anglican Church in Sydney. We heard from him a few weeks ago on The Pastor's Heart on the whole issue of singing and music. He's one of our most gifted songwriters and serves with me on the Committee for Liberty Christian Ministries. Uh, And Liberty's aim is to support and love our same-sex attracted friends who want to walk in Christian holiness uh, and to encourage churches to be places uh, where that's able to happen. But in the middle of all that, Rob, you're working on a PhD on the issues surrounding transgender, and a lot of your pastoral energy recently has been going into that space. Um, We'll talk the JK Rowling controversy in a moment, but first, the pastor's heart and your pastor's heart. And how did you end up in the transgender
1: area? By surprise. Um, It really all started when I was working on a, another project altogether a broader project on the sexual revolution and uh, and really what gave rise to that and how things had really developed in recent decades this was back in probably 2013 i think mm-hmm. i was doing this work and uh, there was a moment in my reading research where i became aware that really the whole transgender question was was kind of coming like a freight train down yep. the line and but nobody was really paying attention to it we were very focused on the same sex uh, debate and particularly uh, with same-sex marriage sort of on the horizon. Uh, so all our thoughts and energies were sort of centred there. But I just had this awareness, the, tr- the transgender question was really the next thing coming. It was the next wave, as it was. And I thought, right, who's, who's working on this? Who's thinking about this? Who's writing on this? And apart from one or two things that were out there, you know, there's an article by Oliver O'Donovan, I think, back from the 80s, you know, um, there was almost nothing at the time. And uh, so I started just gathering as much material as I could from a variety of sources and quarters, but thinking all along the way, somebody needs to make this their project, Mm. not thinking that somebody was going to be me. But uh, anyway, in due course, a number of factors came together and I realised, well, this is probably something I need to... Having picked up this ball, I need to keep running with it Mm. and try and get as much help and clarity, or get clarity so I can give as much help As possible, Mm. and obviously you've been
0: reading, researching for a number of years now, but you've actually been in
1: the space pastorally as well. Certainly, yes, uh, with a family member in our extended family, uh, and with a number of um, well, a number of people who I've known um, over years, as well as uh, other people who've who've sought me out or introduced themselves or been introduced. Uh, So yeah, there's a, a range of pastoral contacts. Um, that both Claire and I have had uh, in this whole space. Mm.
0: And in Liberty Ministries, we're getting an increasing number of
1: calls from both um,
0: people, uh, family members and church leaders who are attempting to navigate these issues Mm. pastorally. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's come to the J.K. Rowling controversy because it's just erupted this last week or so. But it actually first came to light in... uh, well, Well, really, J.K. Rowling walked into controversy in November, December last year, um, and a woman, uh, Maya Forstater, Mm -hmm. she wrote in a private message to a co-worker, Mm. I don't think people should be compelled to play along with the literal delusions like trans women are women. And she then was, I think, sacked. Mm -hmm. um, But J.K. Rowling uh, wrote a tweet in support of Maya. I'll just read that one. Dress however you please call yourself whatever you like, sleep with any consenting adult who will have you, live your best life in peace and security but force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real? Hashtag I stand with Maya. Sex is real. Um, talk to me about that.
1: Yeah. Yes well that was really the, the, the issue at the centre of the controversy over Maya is sacking because she then protested her sacking and the thing went to a tribunal and, uh, and her case was that she had simply stated that sex is determined by biology um, and uh, the judge deemed that this was not the case uh, and that her, her statement was therefore transphobic. And So that's what uh, yeah, Rowling was responding to this and saying, well, actually, I agree with Mayor Forstater and I stand with her, as many others had too. Uh, but this, yeah, this provoked enormous uh, backlash upon J.K. Rowling. Um, but it really, uh, I guess, just highlights a debate that's been going on in feminism for about 50-plus years uh, as, to, as to how we, I guess, think about what makes a person a male what makes a person a female. Um, and so uh, right back in the early stages of what we call second-wave feminism, uh, a distinction was drawn between sex and gender. Uh, that sex is determined by biology and that gender is really the uh, social manifestation of sex which obviously manifests differently in different cultures at different times and even different individuals and so that's right there in Simone de Beauvoir you know she she makes the famous statement that one is not born but becomes a woman uh, which in one sense is a a totally unproblematic statement Uh, yeah a little female girl isn't Mm. born a woman she becomes a woman in a particular time and place and and so develops a gender that is obviously connected to her sex and certainly Simone de Beauvoir was not suggesting that gender could be disconnected from sex Uh, she didn't think that way at all but that is of course what's happened subsequently is having distinguished gender and sex people have now disconnected gender from sex Uh, and so the debate that the whole JK Rowling episode really has uh, brought to our attention is this debate uh, within feminism as to whether gender really can be disconnected from sex. Some say yes, some say no.
0: Okay, well we've got a lot of Christian leaders engaged with this at the moment. Um, take us to the Scriptures.
1: Well, yeah, I guess the, the, the question that is raised by this debate is, well, who's going to settle it for us? Who? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Who says? You know, if someone says, no, no, gender is determined by sex, and someone says, no, well, no, it's not. It's, uh, it's determined by gender identity, which is of course the mm. current um, uh, ideology that your gender is determined by your private subjective gender identity. It just begs the question, well, who, who says? Who says mm. this, who says that? Who's gonna settle this for us? So we do actually need an authority. Mm. Um, we need a transcendent voice to speak into this debate and say, this is how I've made human beings to be. And that's of course what we have in scripture. Uh, and so as Christians we actually can appeal to uh, the Word of God and say well no clearly God has revealed that he has made humanity uh, in the form of two sexes male and female uh, right, right there in Genesis 1 and uh, as the biblical story plays itself out uh, what we today call gender is just simply you know, it's, it's the way in which sex works itself out in terms of roles and relationships as human beings grow and develop. So the the male and female of Genesis 1 are then identified as the man and woman in Genesis 2, the husband and wife in Genesis 2, uh, the mother and father in Genesis 2. Uh, So these things just in scripture go together. Uh, Now the word that's used today is the word cis-normative, which is used as a bit of a weapon word um, against people who I guess want to say that sex and gender belong together. Um, But In a sense, the Bible is unashamedly cis-normative. It is saying that, yes, God's made us as sexed beings and our gender is the way that sexed reality expresses itself.
0: Now, if you had somebody who was identifying as a Bible authority person and they said, yeah, 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 Rob, but (laughs) what would their arguments be against what you've just said?
1: Well, their argument... uh, might be as simple as, but in some cultures, men wear skirts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my response would be, yeah, they do. So the way we express gender, or you might even say the way we express sex in the form of gender, yeah, it's going to look different in different cultures. In Scotland, some some men wear wear kilts. kilts, And in Pacific Island, some men wear grass skirts. And, okay, that's the way that sex has, as it were, Express itself in that particular cultured gender uh, or gendered form in that particular culture. Um, okay, sure. Gender expression is going to differ. Gender conceptions are going to differ. Even gender roles might differ in different cultures. Mm-hmm. But what's grounding everything is sexed reality, and that's what J.K. Rowling is, I guess, affirming, saying that no, no, uh, a woman, uh, she's effectively quoting a bit of a slogan that's going around in the UK at the moment, that a woman is an adult human female. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's saying that that's what makes someone a woman, their biology. How they express their womanhood, that's well, that's obviously there's a whole lot of variation there. But what makes a person a woman is their biology and that's where the trans activists are saying no. Mm. So the controversy of the last week or so is a new tweet from JK
0: Rowling and then actually quite a thoughtful essay from her. Very but the tweet, um, I'll just read it. Uh, if sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. What's your reaction to that tweet? Uh,
1: Well, I personally uh, agree with her, um, but interestingly, uh, there's a number of gays and lesbians also who would agree with her. Uh, And uh, one of, again, part of the controversy in the UK that this is uh, tapping into is that many lesbians are being accused of being transphobic because they won't date uh, trans women, that Mm -hmm. is, men who are identifying as women. Um, they only want to, as a word, date other females, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so they're being accused of people who they would kind of think of genuine, yes, women, real women, yeah. adult human females, um, and so they're being accused of uh, transphobia. And so this is what she means when she says, if sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. Um, now, in fairness to the trans community, many trans people uh, would agree with that as well. Mm-hmm. So there are divisions even within the trans community on these kinds of questions. Um, Many trans people do do want to say that sex is real uh, and their experience is one of mismatch between their subjective gender identity, who they feel themselves to be, and their objective biology. They're not denying that objective biology necessarily. Um, But there's a subset within the trans community who want to go a step further and say, no, my gender is determined by my gender identity... So how I think about myself, feel about myself, that tells me what gender I am, and my gender determines what sex I am. So even though I might have what some people think is a male body, it's actually a female body because my gender is female, Mm -hmm. uh, or my gender is feminine, uh, because my gender identity uh, is that of woman. So this is where it gets complicated. So you've got got trans people supporting JK Rowling, you've got trans people uh, opposing JK Rowling, and, in fact, often it's not even trans people so much who are in this debate, but trans activists who often are not themselves trans people. Mm. I mean, one of
0: the things that's clear in reading her essay is that there's been a massive amount of abuse directed at her for... Ferocious. Yeah. Ferocious abuse. Yeah. Um, um, this term "turf." what mm. does that mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, TERF. Uh, it's an T-E-R-F ac- yeah, yeah, TERF. It's an acronym. Stands for trans exclusionary radical feminist. Uh, so trans it's, exclusionary it, radical. it's an expression created by trans activists as a, again a bit of a weapon word to to hit people like J.K. Rowling with. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, it, within feminism, there's been this divide between uh, it gets labelled differently, but trans feminism or non-trans feminism. Uh, or trans-affirming feminism and trans-critical feminism, mm-hmm. uh, or trans-inclusive feminism, or trans-exclusive or exclusionary feminism. So this is where turf comes in. Trans-exclusionary radical feminism. They put the radical in there as well. Uh, I so mean, I'm just just reading her essay
0: here. She says accusations of turfery have been sufficient to intimidate many people, institutions, and organisations I once admired, who've cowered before the tactics of the playground. They'll call us transphobic. They'll say, I hate trans
1: people. What next? They'll say, you've got fleas. Well, there you go. She's uh, She's got the
0: gift of words. Speaking straight
1: there, yeah. (laughs) She's a good author. Knows how to use words. Um, But yeah, I guess, again, that highlights this very debate. Now, she's taking a side, uh, and I personally agree with the side she's taken, that that sex is determined by biology. uh, she makes very clear that she's she, is, uh, she has a number of trans friends, she's worked very hard to listen to uh, the trans case, she's uh, very sympathetic to a whole range of trans rights and so on, so she's, she's really working overtime to... She's not speaking out of bigotry. No, no. I don't believe so, no, and uh, nor do many trans people, she, she's got the support of many trans people, but there are, the trans activists are really going for her and calling her the most ghastly things. Mm.
0: Another quote, the argument of many current trans activists is if you don't let a gender dysphoric teenager transition they will kill themselves. Um, you've been researching
1: this space, what's your comment on that? Well there's, there's no question that, that people who are confused about their gender identity um, uh, can be very you know, confused and fragile and vulnerable and so need to be treated with great care. Um, but this argument that uh, to question the sort of current narrative that if somebody feels that they are a gender that's in conflict with their sex, to even question that is, is hateful and is pushing them towards suicide. Uh, where well, It's not only not borne out by the facts, but it actually may be the most loving thing you can do for them. Um beca- what, why? Well because many people go through these, certainly many children and, and adolescents go through periods of confusion about who they are, um, either as, as young children trying to work out who they are or then as adolescents as, as puberty kicks in and, and all the sex hormones are running around their system they're trying to figure out which way is up. Uh, they can go through great periods of turmoil and for many people, very very large percentage of people, in the 80 percents, in fact, according to a number of studies, uh, those things settle down and they reconcile with their biological sex. Um, And so just because a a young person suddenly says, I don't feel like I'm male or I don't feel like I'm female, um, it doesn't mean you should just jump on that bandwagon with them and and say, "Okay, well, let's get you off the gender clinic and let's get you transitioning. Uh, No, the best advice is to just allow time to... talk to watch and wait to gently guide people knowing that it's certainly going to make their life a whole lot easier if they can come to grips with and reconcile with their biological sex Uh, the alternative is a very very hard road as those who've traveled it can tell you Um, and you know in my view it's not a a biblical road in the sense that if the person's a Christian person uh, then the, the path that really is in line with scripture is to embrace the sex that God has given and to wrestle through the difficulties that might that, that might present and for some people it does present profound difficulties, it's not, I'm not saying it's a simple thing to do um, but the alternative path of transitioning which is of course being, uh, being pushed very hard at the moment is also riddled with dangers and complexities and which is why of course so many people are de-transitioning and uh, there's even... De-transitioning? Well these are people who've taken steps da- down the path of transitioning, sometimes as far as you can go in terms of mm. having full-on surgeries and, and uh, removal of organs and, and then coming to a place of deep and profound regret, realising this... I thought it was going
0: to make me happy and yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. now here and I'm not happy.
1: Yeah, 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 and uh, it's for some, it's for many, in fact, there's a kind of honeymoon period where they, initially it, this seems to have solved all their problems, but then often whatever those problems may be in an individual case, they will re-emerge later on. And I uh, often bring people to a point where they think I've, I've made a terrible mistake and I need to, need to go back. I'm starting
0: to hear um, just little mm.
1: stories scattered
0: around the place of people um, suing health professionals from who 10, 15 years ago didn't caution them. Yeah. And yet it feels like for a health professional to caution at the moment you're standing against the whole political mainstream. Is that
1: Yeah. How you're reading it? Yeah, I, look, I, I feel for those in the health professions in, in the sense that they're, they're caught in the crossfire here.
0: Because society views are likely to change... Who knows which way they'll go in 10 years' time? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So at the moment, if they don't affirm transitioning, they could get deregistered, and yet if they do affirm it, then they may well be subject to a class action down the track. Um, but I, I guess, you know... You, in the end, you've got to work out what the truth is and what's right. And there's certainly more and more doctors, uh, and there's a, various, there's a GD working group that's uh, formed and various other associations of medicos who are saying, hey, you know, this is highly experimental treatment that is by no means guaranteed to produce good outcomes. Uh, we need to take several steps back and, and think this through much, much more carefully.
0: Which sounds like, I mean, for a Christian doctor... It's kind of part of counting the cost of following the Lord yeah. Jesus that you yeah. may have to take some tough stands there. Yeah. But some of the people taking stands would be Christian doctors. I imagine some of the people taking stands on this are not Christian.
1: That's right. That's right. There, there are doctors, I guess, with a range of... Uh,
0: Philosophical positions.
1: Positions. Um, but the ones who are committed to looking at the evidence and the statistics are realising, OK, this is, this is not the fix that the activists are telling us it is.
0: One of the surprises... Um, to me has been to discover that um, and, and maybe you can give us some of the detail here on, if you like, the percentage of people who are applying to transition has changed from being mostly in the male-female direction to yeah. now mostly in the female-male direction.
1: Is that yeah. right? I believe so. Yeah, certainly there's, um, yeah, in the UK for example, I think they've had like, had like a 4,500% increase in the last Five years of adolescents presenting at gender clinics and the large majority are females uh, who are wanting to transition. I, I don't, can't tell you off the top of my head the exact breakdown of that but it has flipped so this was largely a male phenomenon and now it's largely becoming a female, adolescent female phenomenon.
0: And that's the kind of, that fits anecdotally with sorry, that fits with what I'm hearing anecdotally mm-hmm. You know, in, in terms of one of our Liberty people was speaking at a youth thing and had a number of women, come, teenage women, come and talk to them about um, trans feelings and Mm. that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, And no men at the Mm. end of that
1: uh, meet I mean, it's only
0: one youth group, but...
1: Well, uh, that's right. But I guess these things are illustrative of of a broader trend that I think is identifiable. Uh, Now, again, there are plenty of young boys and men who are sim- having similar yep. um, questions and confusions. Uh, but all of this raises what some have now called um, rapid-onset gender dysphoria, which is, um, seems to be more a social phenomenon or even a social contagion that is generated by, um, well, exposure to trans-ideology, trans-narratives, peer group pressure, uh, it, and uh, can come on out of nowhere... Uh, yeah, So a, a young girl who's been happy being a girl, all, all of a sudden... 22. She is, well, well, I know, ..age 15 or say, so, suddenly, yeah. boom, uh, wants to become a boy, wants to become
0: male. OK, um, so a pastor rings you up and says, there's a girl in our youth group and the youth leaders have just come and yeah. talked to me about this. What's my pastoral way forward? What do you advise them?
1: Well, firstly, to, to listen and love... Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got to start there and hear this person's story here, this person's confusion here, this person's pain. I, I mean, again, youth group leaders are not counsellors and not no. doctors, and so you, know, you obviously you need to be aware of what your limitations are in these domains. But uh, just letting people talk and unburden themselves is the place to begin. Um, now, if the person, the young person, is a Christian person, helping them to. To begin to engage with what Scripture tells us about being male and female, uh, and the goodness of that, and um, the fact that uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of in in being embodied beings, and in, being, in terms of being sexed beings, and you know, uh, and grappling with some of the cultural things. I mean, again, there's a lot of cultural forces at work here, um, either co- confusing the terrain or, in some ways, um, uh, you know, demonising the terrain. I, I, I can understand why some girls and some women think, you know, if I can escape being a woman, I'll escape a whole lot of, um, well, you know, cultural ugliness and, and mm. pressure that's put on women and, and uh, misogyny and a whole range of other things. So um, beginning to, I guess, address some of those concerns, to work out what the person's concerns are, what, what is it that makes them not want to be male or not want to be female or, or perhaps to believe that they're actually not. You know, we're trying to get to the bottom of that. But again, a youth leader can only do so much and you really do need to know how to refer people on to get more particular help and more professional help in these, these areas.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, what scripture passages do you take people to?
1: Well, uh, the beginning of the Bible, as we mentioned earlier, is is the place to start, not just because beginning at the beginning is a good place to begin. Mm-hmm. It's, but uh, that really is, I guess, where the foundations are laid for us. Uh, and they're foundations that are, as you might say, not not um, unaffected by the fall, the entrance of sin, but not changed by that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so sin, sin doesn't change males into females or change females into males. Sin just makes everything complicated and uh, introduces a whole range of frustrations and uh, temptations and, and weaknesses and vulnerabilities and all the rest of it. But uh, just seeing that you know, the, 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 our created nature uh, is something that God has given and uh, the fall doesn't destroy that. But it does help, un- help us then to understand why it can be challenging. Mm. to be who God has made us to be um, and does explain, you know, some of the, again, the temptations we face as well as some of the confusion we experience about who we are and uh, how we think we may want to live and, I guess, then listening to the Word of God to, to be guided as to you know, what it means to be His person, His child, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. Um, now, again, there's lots of... Particular passages you can go to if you, are, you know, ask the question, you know, well, does the Bible ever sort of speak to issues of you know, cross-dressing and so on? The answer is, well, yes, it does. There's certainly uh, one text there in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. yep. 22 uh, that addresses that question, and I think is really just again, a, it's a little bit of a pointer back to the sort of creation theology of Genesis 1 and 2, is saying, no, no, m- male and female, and therefore males not to dress as a female, the female not to dress as a, mm. a male. Um, so, yeah, we, we don't and mess with that. you've 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. Yeah, yeah, there's a variety of passages that just sort of shine, little spotlights on mm. this issue. Um, you know, just saying, no, no, there's nothing to be ashamed of in being male or female, we, but God does want us to be what we are, not to be something we're not.
0: Would you... What about coveting? Do You know, just the me coveting something else that I haven't got. Yeah. Does that... I mean, does the Bible's, if you like, injunctions not to be covetous speak into this debate?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I was talking to a young man uh, who was right into weightlifting and bodybuilding and so on, and he was telling me with some anguish uh, how much he wanted to have the kind of body of some of the other guys in the gym Mm. that he he, uh, admired. And and there was, he didn't use the word covetousness, but that's what he was describing, and I pointed out to him, which I think helped him, that well, God actually hadn't made his frame like their frame. You know, they're actually, they, these were actually bigger men, bigger mm. boned men with different muscle mass. And I said, look, by all means, become the best you you can be, but you're not going to become him. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, and so that, well, again, that's a little bit of a parallel to what we're talking about, but... Obviously, there is a coveting thing that comes in for many people. I uh, not only perhaps want to be a better me, but perhaps I don't want to be me at all. I want to be Mm -hmm. a different me. I want another body altogether. Uh, I covet the body that God hasn't given me. Uh, In fact, it's the body of the opposite sex. Now, that may not explain everything and certainly might not be the main issue for every person with gender confusion, but it's one of the issues in there that certainly is perhaps a, a big one for some. Mm.
0: How does Matthew 19 and uh, the whole teaching on eunuchs speak into this area?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, well, Jesus here alerts us to the fact that uh, that there are some people who are made eunuchs by by others, right? mm-hmm. uh, perhaps as a punishment or perhaps as a job requirement. You know, if mm-hmm. a man applies to become the eunuch in charge of the king's harem Mm. something or this might be uh, part of the deal okay Mm -hmm. Uh, so some are made eunuchs by men Uh, but then he says some are eunuchs from birth and so Jesus is there aware of uh, a distinction that the Jews had long been aware of uh, that there are some people who are born either without genitalia or or confused genitalia um, or just with an inability.
0: with just A very low sex drive?
1: Perhaps. I mean, yeah, whether that would um, qualify, qualify, um, I doubt. But some obvious inability to, well, reproduce effectively, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, Now, the thing to know... he
0: says the Bible knows of, um, uh, in some sense, this difficulty.
1: Sure, sure. Well, that's right. There are some males who are born with a condition that... Um, yeah, it's often called micropenis mm. where yeah, the penis is just not developed um, mm. and well therefore and or, or with undescended testicles or something mm. and, and, and so there are a range of what today we often call disorders of sex development and uh, so I, I I don't think we can know with a hundred percent certainty exactly all the conditions that were were captured in that little expression that Jesus there uses mm eunuchs from birth, but a range of these things that make people unable to reproduce. Now, the other thing to note is that eunuchs is, is actually a male category. Yep. Um, okay, so in, in certainly in biblical times and even for much of history it's it's not a term that was applied to people who are understood to be or perhaps obviously female. I mean you get in scripture of course you have women unable to conceive and it may well be possible that some of those so-called barren women had themselves an intersex condition that would account for why uh, they were unable to conceive. But again, in scriptural times, there's not that wasn't the technology mm. to diagnose. I guess the cause of these things. Mm.
0: But that's really, I mean, in all of what you've just said there, you've really been talking about the physical condition exactly. rather than what's going on in the head. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So again, we we need to. Well, acknowledges scripture acknowledges that, yeah, there, there are some people born with uh, with a physical condition where where there's, again, a disorder of sex development or even for a smaller number, a disorder of sex differentiation where it's actually very hard to determine is this person um, male or female.
0: The doctor I was um, talking to the other day was just making the point to me how incredibly plastic the brain is, you know, and that we can psychologically end up thinking in all sorts of crazy and wrong ways yeah. and we can train our brain to our conscience to think in right ways um, and our brain is much more plastic than our body.
1: Well I think yes I think we're much more aware of this now than perhaps in previous generations yeah. of this whole phenomenon of neuroplasticity uh, and it, that, that fact does come into this uh, discussion. Um, but let me just put a, a step in between, uh, often the reality of, again, people with uh, disorders of sex development or intersex conditions, as sometimes they call, uh, is used, um, well, as almost as a bit of a lever to uh, try and validate the whole transgender ideology, mm-hmm. right? that you can be a man in a woman's body, uh, for example, and then some say, well, how is that possible? How can I, how can you have a man in a woman's body? Well, that, might say well that uh, you've got a male brain and and then the rest Mm -hmm. of the body is female But here's where the neuroplasticity question comes in because I guess all the uh, explorations that have been done to try and discern whether this is possible are there people with male brains in female bodies or female brains in male bodies Um, well not only are the studies very inconclusive but once you then map onto that this phenomenon of neuroplasticity you you realize okay this is actually very hard to work out because um, okay here's a person who here's a person who perhaps has transitioned from male to female and so now we're looking at their brain and it looks more like a typical female brain but is that a result of neuroplasticity right is that chicken or egg kind of thing so it's enormously difficult to to make those judgments Um, but I think the bottom line is if you know, if, you know, if you've been given a male body and a female body, and the brain that goes with it, and the brain that actually has helped the rest of the body to develop in a typically male or female fashion, it's a big stretch to say, well, somehow that brain is of a different sex. Mm. It, 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 when um, I'm fearfully and wonderfully
0: made. Yeah. yeah. I've got a thousand more questions, but we're out of time.
1: (laughs) Well, we can can do it again if we need to.
0: Rob Smith has been my guest on The Pastor's Heart. uh, It's been great to have you with us, and we'll look forward to your company next week.